Hello, greetings and welcome. I'm John Gibbons and this is Alchemy Radio, the home of the open mind. It's great to have your company, whether you're a long-term or a first-time listener, and we really hope you enjoy the show this week. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net, and you can follow us and join the Alchemy community online on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy about saying hello. We exist thanks to your kind donations, so thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and intend to stay that way. So, on to the show. Alchemy Radio. This week's guest is Jeff Lawton. Jeff is a permaculture consultant, designer and teacher. He holds a certificate in permaculture design given by the founder of the permaculture design science, Bill Mollison. Since 1995, he has specialized in permaculture education, design, implementation, system establishment, administration and community development. Jeff's aim is to establish self-replicating educational demonstration sites. He has currently educated over 6,000 students in permaculture worldwide. His master plan is to see aid projects being replicated as fast as possible to help alleviate the growing food and water crisis. Jeff, you're very welcome to Alchemy Radio. How are you? I'm good, and it's great to be here. And we're very pleased to have you on the show. But before we delve into the depth of our conversation, I have a question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. And basically, it's how did you get from where you were, and you can start as early as you like, to where you are now, Jeff? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think it was really curiosity, um, and um, curiosity and passion really gave me a, a sort of a, a, a wealth of energy um, that I was prepared to to, to direct, um, and um, I, I've always had a, a real fascination with the uh, the natural world and and how uh, amazing it is, and particularly water as part of the natural world uh, and that's a major part um, and um, really uh, another uh, part of my journey really has been that I've I've, um, I've never liked to be prejudiced so whenever I've found myself uh, inadvertently being prejudiced or, or not realizing I was acting in a prejudiced way it made me reverse the tables and look deeper at what I was what what I was involved in mm. and that led me further and further in the right direction um, I like very much to pay attention to people that I admire for what they've done, um, what they've achieved and what they're doing. And I don't worry too much if I find them uh, controversial and I don't always agree with what they say. Um, I like, I like um, action. I like things to be achieved. I like to see things, physical progress, visual progress. Um, and um, you know, I'm 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 sort of excited about getting things done. I like edginess. I like to be out there on the edge. I like a challenge. Uh, I often feel like I haven't had enough challenges, but I've definitely had a few in the in the uh, in my permaculture in my permaculture career. But everything just aligned really into a permaculture career. And I've heard that described by many people in the movement in in many different ways. 
all of a sudden there was a, a sort of transformative educational event where things sort of fitted together. It's like you have different parts of the jigsaw puzzle and then suddenly someone points out all the other parts and you can see the picture mm. and suddenly they point out, hey, there's a picture on the box and you can see the whole thing and even the bits that are still missing, you can see what they are. And, and, then, and then the journey really, really begins and, um, and that was a, that's been a great journey. It is a great journey and I, I continue with it. And you've had some incredible results, which we will get into. But before we do that, tell us exactly what's your take on permaculture. Um, I mean, you, you've mentioned some of the reasons as to why it attracted you. But what exactly is permaculture for the uninitiated at this point? Well, for a start, it's a very curious word. It's a word that, that is, a, is a, a combination of two words, permanence and culture. Although it may have started as permanent agriculture, it really, that naturally trans. Uh, transforms into permanence in culture mm. um and it and it, it you can say well what is what is permaculture and it's really a design science that's based in ethics you can say it's an ethical design science what is it about it's really about science and ethics that doesn't give you too much of a picture but it's really a design system you could say we design systems that are ethical, but they provide all the needs of humanity, all the basic needs, and quite a lot of the less basic, more complicated needs of humanity in a way that's very beneficial for the environment and the biosphere at large. So we, and the lessons of sustainability, which everybody talks about sustainability, but the reality is out there in in the natural system. So working with the life sciences and uh, appropriate non-life sciences, it's really a, a marriage of ethics, design, and science together. It gives us this very exciting element to engage in. The results are, are just wonderful abundance and um, a very rich life environment, which is, is very, very clean and healthy. And, and all of that really is true wealth. So it's a way to become wealthy in a true sense. And so many people speak about self-sufficiency as being the holy grail, as if it's something that is almost unattainable for the common person such as you or I, Jeff. And we hear so much being spouted by the big companies, um, big pharma and the likes of Monsanto, about how they have the best products and the best pesticides and the best this, that and the other. What you've just described seems to me to be the complete antithesis of big business when it comes to food and agribusiness. Would I be correct in saying that? In, in many ways, yes. I mean, we can all be very self-sufficient in, in, in many, many ways, especially when people start to work together on extremely small um, area of land. We can produce a very large amount of our food, nutritional and medicinal needs. Um, and, that's, and, and self-sufficiently com- comes also with, you know, uh, sensible, energy-efficient housing, and uh and and good community uh warmth friendship and um and then of course we need absolute clean air and abundance of clean air and clean water and clean food which most people don't have in some of the overpopulated countries of the world like india the largest cause of death now is is air pollution and when you get to that stage people really want to go back and look at health and say there's a great demand for organic food now in India, even from the extremely poor people, because it's very obvious when, when people are literally dying from the air they're breathing. 
So um, it, it's, we'd be much more civilised and developed if we don't allow us to get to that point and we make a change now and design our way into absolute abundance and, and we can do it that's what permaculture allows you to do and and you can see that from people's endorsements of the of the subject um, so many people that have engaged in permaculture as a as a way to live um, as practitioners or as educators teachers or consultants they all say that they'll, they'll say it, it you know it, it's something that's just opened their life completely in another direction and they feel very very fulfilled and um, and life becomes very very meaningful I think there will be one or two people who are listening now who might be kind of might be listening to what you're saying and really liking the idea of it in the initial uh, genesis that we've just spoken about but they're thinking how am I ever going to start growing my own food I haven't got time for it uh, we hear the word organic in there and we all know that when we go to our local store everything organic costs a fortune so obviously it's going to cost me a fortune if I want to grow it both in time and money so what would you say to those people? Well <laughs> The easy answer today is, is have a look at my video channel with all the different videos because I've gone out of my way not just to, to practice and live this and teach it and consult on it, but um, I've, I've gone around the world and got classic examples into very short, high-quality videos so people can see the examples right, right in front of them. Mm. And I mean from... Canadian urban gardens to Mediterranean gardens out to the tropics and out to the deserts and in all kinds of landscapes and situations and, and not just food how you heat your house with minimum energy costs to make and how you adjust your house to be minimum on energy and maximum on comfort um, how you provide clean water for yourself how you also how you grow your food of course keep animals and set up water systems but um most people need to change the way they think and and because we're kind of indoctrinated into this way of thinking that we, humanity, can only be bad mm. and, and we can only be negative. And because there's so many of us, then inevitably we're, we're, we're heading towards a bad situation. Well, I'd like to tell everybody here that's listening, if you look at the universe at large, you will see that there's a balance and all the old symbols of knowledge that we've 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 used are balance symbols and there's there's no good without bad there's no black without white there's no give without take and as equally bad in the way we're behaving now in the way it damages the environment and degrades our living conditions we can be equally good so we can be that good that instead of you know acres of rainforest coming down every minute mm. a consequence of our action is more reforestation of goes up and instead of a species becoming extinct every six minutes a new species speciates um, instead of all this soil erosion that's our base resource disappearing into the ocean and up in the air in the wind and falling into the ocean and, and really causing a massive food security problem, soil erosion, we can be actually creating soil by ecosystemic farming, which is way, way, way beyond organic. Um, and, and, and we can really reduce the amount of time that we work. So uh, traditionally, people 
really only worked about 10 hours a week to provide for their needs. And you can see plenty of studies on that. Mm. And many people I design for who decide to sort of opt out, often for medical reasons, and grow their own food and live their uh, permaculture lifestyle, go down to 10 or 12 hours a week to provide for their needs quite easily, quite easily. Now, they start that off by going through an educational process, Mm. and that educational process nearly always is a permaculture design certificate course. That's the iconic course of permaculture, and it changes the way you think, and then that it it makes it so much easier to change then the way you act and engage in the process. So anybody feeling hopeless, that's what I would advise you to do. Just move towards educating yourself ultimately the permaculture design certificate course it's taught all over the world um, in all languages and we're going to delve in in further depth a little bit later on in the chat about the course and how people can subscribe and sign up for that and what exactly is involved and how engaged it is But to track back a little bit, Jeff, I suppose, to your personal story and when you began to uh, journey through permaculture for the first time, what were the initial obstacles that you met, both on a personal level and perhaps on a societal level? And how did you overcome some of those obstacles? Well, it it seemed overwhelming to start with. um, And um, it it seemed to be an, an enormous amount of diverse information because permaculture covers covers many disciplines mm. um so we you know you need some basic understanding of architecture to design a a, a passive solar house uh, you need a, a certain amount of botany um you need to understand a certain amount of, uh, about soil sciences um and and water systems and even earthworks and civil engineering it, it crosses all those academic disciplines that it breaks those barriers but the course gives you a basic understanding of the center of each of those disciplines and the undeniable truth at the center of those disciplines and then you find because it's very interesting because it's a connecting system it's a it's a system that connects disciplines together mm. and it's more about the connections than the disciplines themselves because that's what gives it its Integrity, like an ecosystem, is made up of many, many living components and some non-living components like energies like wind and sun that interact with ecosystems. So you, you start to realize that you're, you're a designer of this complex matrix. And because it's fascinating, because it's something that you can be passionate about, your your academic level and your ability to retain information seems to improve rapidly. It's almost like you're 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 working your brain out, um, and and it's and it's it's quite a different process to learning a subject that you're not so passionate about or not so engaged in, because it's everything that we do, everything every, everything that is um, actioned in a way that provides our needs involves potentially permaculture design it's very hard to not be involved in permaculture thinking once you've gone through a design course it's like you become infected i often say to my students i'm going to infect you with permaculture and if you sit through the whole course it'll be terminal there'll be no recovery (laughs) because you'll always think this way from now on you'll see the world through this framework um, because it has meaning now 
all of a sudden, from not know, from knowing no Latin names whatsoever of plants, I started to gain plant knowledge and the names of plants and even the Latin name of plants. I have no botanic training whatsoever. Mm. And I ended up with a, a similar number of plant names, um, Latin plant names, as an average botanist because I'm using them. I'm, I'm, I'm working with them. Yeah. I'm, you, you use it or lose it. I started to get, you know, information about building. And it fascinated me why some buildings don't function well and why others do. And then I got a basic architectural knowledge. I wouldn't call myself an architect. And on it went. Now, a lot of people were skeptical in the early days um, that this is not easy and it's not going to happen. But uh, time has proven that it works in the most extreme environments. And um, now, I mean, that was pre-computer era. We're talking 30 years ago when I started. Yeah. I took my design course in 83, 1983. Um, now it's on YouTube. It's on video. It's everywhere. Um, and I'm engaged in that process myself in getting it out on the Internet uh, through digital media and high-quality digital media so people can move quickly in the new... We socialize that way now, and you would never have guessed before. Um, so um, it, it took a little bit of time, but what, what I find now is our new students are moving quicker. They're mu they're, everybody's moving much, much, much faster now because we have this wonderful technology. Appropriately, we have the information that's... It's very obvious and very high quality, and it's right in front of you. Well, one of the things that strikes me as you're speaking is that it's almost like permaculture casts aside the one-size-fits-all approach. It's gone, and there's more awareness involved and kind of observation of, the, of your surroundings and your particular needs and what you need before you begin to build a system. And it is a system. It's a, a self-sustaining system. So... I was really struck when I first came across your videos by the diversity. You've already mentioned it, but the, the sheer diversity of the habitats and the ecosystems that a permaculture system can work within. And it is a very individual thing, I think. Have you, have you found that different people in different areas can bring so much of their own experience to the table when consulting with each other and helping each other out when you're trying to devise a system for yourself, say, for the first time? Yeah, there, there, some things are very common. So, we, but we go right to the core of design and start off with the basics, and then it complicates and complicates and complicates. There's no such thing as a simple permaculture system, mm. but it but it adapts to landscape and climate specifically and to culture. So, a, a little while ago, I realised that I was because of this application to so many variations of situation I was becoming and I've become very very comfortable with infinity the infinite because it literally is infinite now that may scare people and say oh well, infinity is kind of scary um, you know I saw a t-shirt the other day eternity is a very long or, or infinity is a very long long uh, way especially towards the end um, but um, uh, to quote Bill Mollison, um, the founder of permaculture and my teacher, uh, Bill says that 
the more he learns about permaculture, the more he realizes he doesn't know about permaculture. Okay. So so the person who's been thinking about it the longest realizes the more he, he learns about it, the more there is still to know. The, the, you know so it, it, it grows in front of you. So you, become, you have to become comfortable with that. There's infinite variations, but it's a very nice thing to be comfortable with. Um, and, and it's to be expected. So you're never going to learn it all. Um, it's an infinite journey of learning, and that's one of the health aspects. Because when we're mentally stimulated, um, our body functions much better. So it's diversity of stim- mental stimulation along with the other health aspects of food mm. and healthy water, good sleep, not too many vices, good conversation. All those together gives you, give you that real vibrant health. Um, so it, it, it's more than health in just food. It's way more than health in just food. You're describing a very attractive lifestyle, certainly to somebody like me who works quite long hours and many days every week. We're talking about working a lot less, being self-sustainable, caring for the earth and our environment, caring for ourselves and for other people around us. And then there's something else that's very attractive to me when it comes to permaculture, and that's, I suppose, the return of surplus, because... We can, we can grow food or we can become self-sustainable to a point. But if there's a surplus, it's not wasted because waste is a huge, huge issue in modern farming and modern food production and big agribusiness. So how does the permaculture system deal with waste in a general sense? Well, it, it is a return to earth care and people care. The, the, the three ethics of permaculture are uh, to care for the earth it's living and non-living systems uh, mm. to care for people and provide their needs and then um, the return of surplus to the first two ethics. So um, on, on a general land-based system, one of the first things that you are returning in surplus is organic matter. So um, we know that agriculture is very deficient in trees and ecosystemic processes. And ecosystems have a return of organic matter and carbon to the soils, um, and that builds our fertility. So um, in a land-based system, um, if you are not increasing soil fertility and increasing soil quantity, so quantity and quality of soil has to increase to literally be physically sustainable. It's a very simple gauge. But then... If you have surplus time and surplus information that can help other people, you kind of have an obligation to share it Mm. and and, and help other people. And that's really what we're doing in this conversation. Hopefully, Hopefully there's a lot of people listening to this who are thinking, wow, that sounds good and that's kind of positive and it's good to get some real good positive news. Maybe we'll get engaged and see if it helps us move in a good direction especially when it comes to educating our children who are getting a lot of bad news at Mm. at this point in history they need to realize there's some very very good news out there and um population's not really a problem if we're all acting in a very beneficial positive way yeah we need a lot of people right now to repair the damage we've done in the last 50 hundred years we actually need most of the population now in a positive mode to turn it around fast 
because uh, we seem to be on a bit of a, a climatic slide and the climate will definitely level um, our present mode of development quite quickly if it goes into a very large climatic event. I think so. And one of the things that frustrates me on a personal level is the arrogance of humanity as a whole, or certainly Western society and Western culture. It's this almost, I don't know, we're almost brought up to think that we are the masters of our own planet when we're not really at all. I mean, we're we're just visitors on this planet and we'll be cast aside if the planet decides that we're no longer in any way useful to it. And I think we're fast getting to that point. So if on a micro level people were able to care for the earth and they were able to abundantly grow food and sustain in a natural way, such as the permaculture system allows for, what kind of change and how long would the change take, in your opinion, Jeff, where we would reach kind of a tipping point where... The Earth would decide, right, well, do you know what? You guys, humans, you're not that bad after all. I think we're going to keep you around a little bit. <laughs> well, it's really an energy audit that we have to do as in relation to, you know, the energy in to the energy out. Sustainability is an energy audit. That's all it is. Mm. A sustainable system produces more energy than it consumes, enough to maintain and replace its component parts over their lifetimes. So... That's, that's the baseline of sustainability. A well-designed permaculture system oversupplies energy and, and, um, and creates a surplus of energy more than is needed to maintain and replace its component parts over their lifetime. So we, we, we increase the energy storage. It's called entropy, energy that was stored that is then lost so we slow down the entropic loss in systems and, and, and living systems have to be incorporated to achieve that. Now, if we, if we, make a glo- if we made a global commitment, um, a, you know, and it became international policy, which I was hoping for, actually, um, when I took my course in 1983, I naively thought this would be international policy by 1990. So yeah. that created a midlife crisis for me because <laughs> it obviously wasn't becoming international policy. But if it did, and we all engaged in this, and we put the, the, uh, the serious effort, instead of developing in an industrial way and in a destructive way we took an energy audit on everything we do and we said right now we'll start regenerative reparative work and provide our needs with very with an energy efficient audit on everything that we do so we cut down this massive transport systems we could produce all of the nutrition and i'm saying nutrition not food because there's a big difference yeah. all of our nutrition on 4% of the equivalent area, and I'm saying 4% is the equivalent area, not the same pieces of, not the same land, but the equivalent area agriculture uses globally today because it's so inefficient. Now, the rest of the landscape would probably repair itself very quickly without our help, but if we, if we helped, if we moved earthworks in and we water harvested and we put in some very, very appropriate reforestation systems, we'd probably reverse climate change within five years globally. No problem at all. It would probably be, it, it, we may well surprise ourselves and it would go less than that. Whole continents could be rehabilitated in that time. If, if we use the, 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 
the equipment and the technology we have today and put it into harmonious, reparative design reconstruction. And we know we can do that. We can see that on a small scale. We, it, we, it's no difference in scaling it up, none whatsoever. These are constants. These are constant events. It's, it's totally provable. So what has the response been then from the international community? And when I say the international community, I mean politicians and policymakers and decision makers to permaculture and the fact that this is provable, it is demonstrative, and it is being carried out all over the world with, with an increasing level day by day. So, I mean, what are the powers that be saying in response to permaculture? Well, there is a growing interest, and you can see it building. One of the problems has been that the permaculture movement initially was reasonably uh, alternative. Uh, obviously, um, when you're talking back to the, um, actually, 1979 were the first courses um, through to the 80s. Um, these, the, the initial uh, students were reasonably grounded and, and alternative type people and, and quite you know, forward thinking. Um, what has happened is that the inquiries come more and more from mainstream. Mainstream realizes this is this is probably the future mainstream. How do we l- land on this kind of alternative island? And um, kind of what language do they speak? And what has happened is the permaculture movement has started to speak in corporate language. It started to speak in presentation forms that are understood by uh, the larger corporations and larger governments because they're stuck in a mode of conv- uh, communication where things have to be presented in, a, in an extremely professional way. So now you have uh, a, a real change in that um, permaculture consultants that are, have uh, authority and credibility around the world are considered uh, very high-profile professionals and... Um, um, our advice is, is sought by governments and, and, and some of the largest developments worldwide, and that is only going to increase. We just hope it's going to increase in time. We need, we need to speed up this tipping point rapidly because uh, the concern, uh, there are many, many, many concerns out there, obviously, of uh, catastrophes that could happen, but the obvious one that's very hard to reverse is a very big climatic swing. So if we have major climatic swings and um, large, the financial systems of the world collapse, um, I would say one of the biggest concerns is how are you going to shut down those nuclear power stations without a financial system? They don't shut themselves down. Mm. And they're, they're kind of, you know, there's a very large concern there for sure. Um, and there are other elements that, you know, need to be considered in, in, in regard to energy audits and, and whether they're extremely negative when, when, when they're not maintained. So um, if we were sensible, we'd be looking at that straight away. But um, we need to phase things across with uh, good common sense, that's all. Um, and, um, and, and some of those things have to be accepted. So um, we've moved in a very industrial way, and we call it civilized, and we call it developed. But when you look at the consequences of what we call civilized and developed, it doesn't look like it is civilized or developed. Um, and we need to evolve. And I think it is an evolution of humanity. And, that, and it is our obligation to speed up the process of evolution so that we become these designers 
we design our way into uh, an abundant earth that's that's full of uh, you know a um, extremely um, glorious really um, life system uh, which is extremely clean and um, and it recovers itself and um, is more or less indefinitely sustainable. Yeah, and you mentioned the word design there, Jeff, and design is key to what permaculture is all about. Um, but it's more than just kind of throwing a load of, I don't know, green options together and hoping that you'll get a nice bunch of carrots there that you can display for your friends and show what a good gardener you are. It's, it's, it's not about that. I mean, the word system is used constantly, and there's, there's a synergistic systematic approach to design when it comes to permaculture. It's about connecting things together in a particular way that will suit your particular climate or ecosystem. So how important or how different is the design process with permaculture to, say, the normal plot of land that people might be used to seeing or an allotment-type situation out the back of a garden? Because, I mean, there are some startling differences, and that's what makes for a far more abundant yield, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's a it's a yield that has very low energy input inputs for the for the uh, productive output. Um, well, we we start off by introducing the concept that it has to be designed. It has to be a system that is designed. Mm. Then we go into what are the concepts and themes that are we we are designing. Then we have design methods, methods of analysis, methods of planning, methods of listing and, and, and energy flow systems. So there are literally methods that we apply. Then we take into consideration the patterns that need to be understood. There are patterns out there in the natural world and there are patterns out there in the universe which recur because they are they are there are patterns that are energy harvesting patterns. There are reasons there are, are only a few different pattern forms but an infinite set of variations. So to, to make a system that is harmonious with the natural world, it needs to harmonize with the patterning. So there is uh, the big difference with permaculture is the designed systems are patterned. And those patterns are very, very relevant. They're not some esoteric thing. Mm. They're, you can rationalize, you can legitimize every element and every pattern that you design into the system is truly a science we then go on to help people understand the facts about the climate the factors about climate the difference between the major climates the 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 temperate climates the tropical climates the desert climates and the variations of the of the subclimates between from there we go on to trees and understanding the energy transactions of trees because the, the climate allows us to understand the trees and the tree, the energies that the trees transact from the sunlight through right through to the soils and the creation of organic matter. The trees are the energy transactors. They literally are a transaction system and ecosystems major in trees. Mm. From there, we can understand the water cycles. So once you've got climate, you've got trees, you've got the water cycle, then that life is based in water water and carbon are the main elements of life and water cycles are very crucial to understand so the trees 
that the climate to the trees to the water cycle, then we can understand soils. So it's a progression of understanding. Then we can understand and move soils around in an appropriate way for water harvesting, for roads, for house sites, and all these different things. Because humanity has been a terraformer forever. We move the soil around to our benefit, and we can do that also to benefit the environment. And then we go into you know, specifics to climate and aquaculture. And eventually, we talk about invisible systems and how we work as a community, how trade and barter and money systems work, you know, how we set up uh, for-profits and not-for-profits, um, how we set up, you know, local economies and, and living, how we make a living, how, what a true living is and how we work together and cooperate to, to, to get a better result. So that, that's sort of, I've just given you there a brief of the chapters of the designer's manual and the subjects that we cover in a design certificate course. I've taught it enough times so I can sort of list them out quite quickly. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned the word living there. The language is often um, quite telling, I think, when examining any kind of topic or subject. And so many of us, we talk about earning a living, yet we go and we sit at an office desk for, I don't know, maybe eight hours every day, five or six days a week when we might not necessarily want to do that all in the name of earning a living. Now, to me, that's not a living. That's merely existing and providing a living for other people, really. Um, whereas permaculture is about actually living and doing what you want to do then with your time because you're not necessarily chained to a desk, always in the quest of the almighty dollar or whatever it is. And I think that's the most appealing freedom for me when looking at permaculture for the first time and when looking to how it might suit my needs when you started to delve deeper into the subject and you started to live in a sustainable way how radical were the changes with regard to your living as opposed to merely your existing huh. well uh it's it the first step is a difficult one and if someone can get you over the line so you sort of say i'm going to make this move I'm going to stop compromising um, and being scared that I'd like to live another way, but I didn't move over the line. Um, a lot of people end up feeling they're just bored with being scared. It's just boring. Um, something very interesting starts to happen is uh, when you engage, uh, because your memory, your, your brain is patterned, again, we get back to pattern, your, your memory is patterned with emotions. So, um, and so psychologists use this as a, as a way to um, deprogram people's trauma. When you look back in your, in, in your memories and you, you try and remember what's happened in your life, you re remember a few years back, the things you remember most distinctly that are, that are high definition, Technicolor, almost te high definition Technicolor slow motion. They're the emotional events when you were extremely happy, um, when there was something very joyous, or there was something that was very, very scary, and it, and it was, it, or, or something very sad. It's the extreme emotions of of pain and pleasure, actually, and and so those are the elements that you remember when you look back over the boring time, your job, let's say, if you if you're really bored with it. Um, you find that time seems to drag and 
it goes very slowly. Yeah. And when you when you're you know it's half past you know you've got half an hour to go on a Friday evening. You're about to knock off for the weekend. That last half hour is the longest half hour of the week. And then the weekend when you try and sort of grab some time, it just goes really quick, mm. and it's all over quick. Now when you engage in something really meaningful. And it's also very healthy, and you've got this. You, you see a lot of visual progress around what happens, and you, 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 you want to get involved in it. Time passes. I mean, it's quite quick. We we don't we don't own the the future. It hasn't happened yet. This is the present. The thing we do own is the past, our memories. So when you're when you're engaged, you, there's nothing boring. You're just into it. You're you're there. You're involved. You're doing all these different diverse things, and you're trying to do it more and more efficiently. You, you've got something really good to try and achieve. So you're doing this every day. When you look back on your memories, they are huge. They are massive. If I look back on six months, it feels like five years. If I look back on a year, it feels like 10 years. And I cannot look back on five years because it feels like many lifetimes. It, it, it's just, it has expanded the memory so much um, that I feel very fulfilled. And, mm. it, and that is a, it's almost a secret wealth benefit that you can feel quite content about that. You look back and think, well, and if I, and today we have digital photographs. So if you look back through your digital photographs, which we have so many of, and it sparks memories that are, that are quite clear, um, it's huge. I mean, it's just, and that's, that's almost like, I, I, I talk to people about it expands time. It feels like it expands your life's time in the moment. And that would be quite valuable if you wanted to sell it as a product. And, and we kind of do. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we tell you how you can get into that sort of engagement. And, and if you think about that, that, that's real wealth. And it probably takes a lot of conflict out of people. They feel quite happy where they are. And they, they, they realize they can engage on this for their whole life. And it will go on for generations. And it will keep refining and refining. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I don't think enough people in permaculture actually talk about that. I often try and help people with that um, whole concept of time and what happens to your engagement in time. Um, it's kind of neat. I think that, yeah, it's an enlightening perspective and one I can relate to. When I think back, say, to when I was in school, I didn't particularly enjoy school and it was always about kind of when four o'clock comes and it's time to get out and then Friday. So... I think back on school and whatever length of time, I was probably 15, 16 years in state education. And that 15 or 16 years largely is a blur. Obviously, I have isolated memories. Um, but most of my memories from that time are from when I wasn't in school and when I was engaged in activity that I really wanted to do or enjoyed or wasn't forced to do. And then when I think back to I'm lucky enough to do a job that I really enjoy. It doesn't feel like work to me. And I really enjoy getting up and doing what it is that I do, albeit the hours may be long at times. And I haven't been in the workplace, per se, for the length of time that I was in school. However, it seems like I've been doing this for decades longer than the time spent in school. So I can directly relate to what you're saying there. And with regard to permaculture, you can expand your own time provided you take control of it. But if somebody else has control of your time, there's very little you can do about it. And things seem to go in the blink of an eye, in a flash. 
So it's um yeah, it's, it. it's it's just about perspective, I think, and. I think that's one of the most attractive or the, one of the most important things. We often hear these biblical stories of um, Methuselah used to li- who lived for, I don't know, 900 years or something that seems outrageous to us now and people are always looking for the elixir of life. Well, in a sense, you have found it with permaculture, Jeff, because the elixir of life, if that's just the way that you can perceive time and you can stretch it, well, then you can live for a perception of 900 years because that's all time is anyway. It's a perception. And I think it, humanity tries to put a physical construct on it. So why can't we bend and mold that in the way that you've just described? I absolutely think we can. And I think that's a fascinating facet of permaculture and what you're discussing and the way that you're living. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're... I've never heard it. That's a good analogy, actually. It's a good, it's a good story back into the biblical stories there. And, and it is. It, that is exactly what it feels like, 900 years of memories. And, and funnily enough, um, some things which I found boring at school, which were in my memory, but there were, like, your, your boring memories are, like, black and white, grainy, uh, fuzzy movie it's not high definition it's not slow motion it's not technicolor it's kind of grainy can't really drag it out yeah but there were some things that when i started to start this to discover in permaculture i needed more geography i needed a little bit of history at times when i study in locations that i'm going to go and work in and i need to know why the land looks the way it is i'd, I'd start to read up about it and then lessons from school came up like dusty books Wow. And I had to sort of dust them off and rediscover that I did have that memory there, and now it's useful. <laughs> okay. At school it was boring, and I'd sort of covered it over a bit, but when I sort of did a bit of re, re-study, it came back up again. And I said, oh, I already had that. And you see, a lot of our life experiences are valuable once we can put them into a, into a meaningful context. Yeah. So I, I hear people say that in courses. Say, oh, I've, I've, I've experienced that, or I, I have some knowledge of that, but I didn't realize it was going to be useful to me in this course. Now I can see that it's got value, and, and, and it's almost like they're bringing them back up to uh, uh, and re-editing the memory, like, like, like uh, you know, color-enhance the memory <laughs> yeah. and re-edit it like we do with, uh, uh, with computers today on photographs. And um, then it comes up onto your, onto your desktop. So you've got it now. It's up in the front of your memory instead of the back because now it's got reference. Now it's got relative. Now we're using it. Um, and, and that's very interesting. Often when people take permaculture courses, they only go a couple of days and they come in and they say, we've started to dream um, permaculture dreams. Um, and it's often because their memories that are now becoming relevant to them are reshuffling in their in their memory file, like a computer, you're re, re, reshuffling the files and the documents um, back to the surface because they now have relevance. So it 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 definitely gets the neural pathway fired up, um, and I think that's all good. That's all good for 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 humanity to be uh, directing its efforts in this meaningful way. And the more and more people realise this. Uh, the more we get going, the more we share, the more we get done, the more we get out of trouble. I think so. And it comes back to what you were saying about food versus nutrition. It's not just about food. Nutrition is not just for the body. It's for the mind and the spirit as well. And it's a, a kind of a holistic view 
Could I just say there's a very interesting thing if you look at our urban, say our urban uh, video that we have on JeffLawton.com, um, and and many other situations. We are and and our um, our perennial garden in Massachusetts that I've filmed. Uh, people have sometimes two thousand varieties of plants on a quarter of an acre in a garden. We are diversity freaks. Because diversity is a theme, connected, connectivity and diversity are themes of permaculture, we've become real collectors of diversity that has potential in product. So gardens are often more diverse than any garden you'll ever find anywhere. And the diversity will be invaluable, useful, productive species. Now, that has never been done before. In the Middle Ages in Europe, you would have had half a dozen vegetables in your garden. A lot of them you wouldn't eat today. Yeah. We've, in, we've diversified our gardens 800 times. So that, that you will not find larger diversities of beneficial living elements in any other system than permaculture systems. That in itself has great potential. And, and that, that actually has, that gives great hope because there are many, many plants, there are many, many living elements that have yet to be really combined and put together for their potential as, as whole system elements. Mm. There's, there's a very, very complex potential there. And we are still, we are still evolving those systems. That's, there's a, a long way to go. And that's, that, that, that should give people great hope. If they understood a little bit about permaculture, it definitely would give them great hope. Yeah, and I think that ties in with what I was uh, going to discuss next. We've spoken about kind of the macro plan and the grand vision and how, I suppose, essentially the world can be saved through permaculture. But on a micro level, for example, I'm John and I'm sitting looking out at my tiny, tiny garden in urban Ireland and I'm thinking, well, this just isn't for the likes of me. I've looked at some of the videos of great big gardens with such diversity and so many species and so much food and everything is great. How could I ever do that, little old me sitting here? But um, I, there is hope for me as well, isn't there, Jeff? Because even if I have a tiny space, there's so much can be done with that and it's the beauty of the system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've documented a garden in Calgary in Canada. Um, you, you have permaculture in Alaska, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone to the, to the edge of the Arctic, out to the extremes of the desert. I've worked where there's only two inches of rain. I've worked where there's, there's 20 feet of rain. There's, there's seven meters of rain. And, 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 we've, and some people have gone right up to Alaska and Greenland and, and to the extreme cold. Um, now it can be applied anywhere. And, and actually, Ireland's not a bad climate. It's a temperate climate. Yeah. Um, it's not that bad. You have beautiful long days. And you have a low, gentle sun over a long day length in summer. Yeah. Um, sure, you have to have some storage of food over winter, but that can be achieved. And and um, it it it's a very it's a very nice climate. Your 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 soil fertility is uh, very good in those climates. And uh, at least you get some period of of dormancy and rest and a fresh start every spring. Um, a, a lot of emphasis has to go into how you heat houses naturally and make houses more comfortable. But there's some great, great reference to some of the older systems. And when you marry those with appropriate technologies, um, 
that can be done very, very well. So again, in Canada, I documented a, com a community glasshouse that heats itself with uh, thermal mass heat gain in the ground. Um, and it's next to a high school. It's educating um, uh, school children about those systems as well as being a community system. Mm. I think we're going to see this like a revolution spurring up everywhere, like we have a right to this. This is a human right to think our way and design our way out of these kind of silly issues we've got ourselves into and we've allowed ourselves to be dumbed down to it because the television and other things dumbed us down yeah. but now the internet gives us a choice how we re-educate ourselves and how we design ourselves out of this issue the YouTubes, the videos they give us the reference and I think, I think we're at a point where it's going to accelerate away and, and it's time for everybody who wants to to join in and you know come out of the cold and get it you know and join the fun and get involved in it. if it's not fun you you you've got the design wrong it should be fun that's a classic permaculture saying if it's not fun you've got the design wrong it shouldn't be a hardship it should be good fun doing this and yeah. it is fun it's very engaging of course and i suppose then off-grid living which is often associated with i don't know a uh, a hermit out in the the middle of the Canadian wilds or in a forest or something. It, it it can be for just you or me or anybody else. There is no real necessity. When you examine permaculture, there's no necessity for us to be bound by the rules set down by governments or the powers that be, to use that term that I, I'm so fond of. You can be sustainable and nourished at the same time, body, mind and soul, through through this system. Well, uh, I'm talking to you on a telephone, which has the telephone speak the line going out to the outside world, but the telephone's got some electrical connection because I'm in a complex office with computers and fans running. I'm quite yep. hot in the summer here in Australia. We have not been connected to the outside world for 20 years. This electricity is coming from the sun that runs this telephone. Um, our toilets, our whole farm runs on solar. Our toilets are compost toilets, and they always have been, and our grey water system is a, a reed beds, and they are approved by the local town council here. Lismore Shire Council in New South Wales prefers that you have a compost toilet in a rural dwelling and prefers you have a reed bed grey water system than a septic tank on a rural dwelling. And wow. we choose to be off-grid. We set people up with battery nickel-iron battery systems off-grid with a grid switch, so you switch the grid, the main grid electricity on when you want extra charge, if it's a cloudy day, or if you want to have a big party or run a workshop for a few hours. But if we all start to move towards battery and grid switch, we have an option to slowly bring down the power station's demand and move the power station over more and more towards appropriate renewable power stations that are slightly more regional than mass grid. It, we don't want to shut it all down tomorrow and everybody has to go over. We want to find ways to move it nice and appropriately over as a gradual change. And again, that's just a matter of design. And we can do this. We can do this. But we the people, we the people have to do this. If, if, if we don't shut down those power stations stage by stage, they'll keep giving us nuclear power stations. They'll keep giving us coal, you know, atmospheric pollutant power stations. We, but if we shut them down slowly by producing our own energy, and there are ways you can do that, 
we've done it. We, we, we've been improving our, our renewable energy system, and we continue to improve it as an example for people to be able to replicate, as we do all our systems. That's our job as an institute here, to uh, demonstrate what can be replicated and to keep improving those systems. So this is something that changes lives and can change anybody's life out there very, very quickly. This is not something that needs to take 40 or 50 years. And you mentioned kids and children quite a few times so far, Jeff, and they really are key to it. I mean, if this kind of information and knowledge can be passed down at an early stage, well, then the generations coming through, there is great hope, I think, personally. Yeah, there are very few schools now in Australia that do not have permaculture gardens for in the schools. There are two uh, permaculture textbooks that are uh, approved in schools. Uh, there are no mainstream gardening programs that don't have a permaculture segment on um, the main television channels. So um, it is... And, and children have no problem. Children have absolutely no problem grasping this. Mm. And senior citizens uh, don't have any problem either because they're reflecting on their life that's passed almost. Yeah. So it's the very young and the very old that don't have any problem with taking up the, the concept and, and, and verifying and endorsing it. It's the people in the middle ages that are <laughs> too busy, they don't kind of think, rushing around, they have that trouble stepping out and saying, you know, making that sort of brave, conscious move to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make this change now, I'm going to take that first step. Because uh, that's all you have to do, you have to just take that first step. That first step makes all the difference. And the first step for a lot of people is the permaculture design course. So tell us a bit more about that and the Permaculture Research Institute as well and how people can get involved and what it entails. Well, there are permaculture institutes all around the world um, and there's permaculture movement everywhere and just about every country. And so you will be able to find people online um, in your country, wherever you are. Um, and um, the... The definitive course of uh, uh, educational course of design is the permaculture design certificate course, which is 72 hours. Traditionally, it's been taught over two weeks, residential or face-to-face, -face, generally um, sometimes part-time. And um, we have institutes. Ours is not the only institute. There are many institutes around the world. We set up institutes in many countries, and we do quite a lot of aid work, and we register teachers um, to a standard. Many institutes do the same. The permaculture movement is global. Uh, we have a website called permacultureglobal.com, which shows you where all the pro a lot of the projects are and a lot of the people are worldwide. There are more than that. There's just some of them. We have a, um, a website called permaculturenews.org, which is uh, the, one of the biggest news sites, which we run from this institute. But over the last 18 months, we've started to teach a specific online course, a permaculture design certificate online, yep. and um, it's been surprisingly successful. Um, and um, when I say success in relation to being the teacher and being successful with your students, it's how active the students have become and how good they've become as designers and how many of their, those students have also started to become teachers themselves very quickly. So I, 
I really didn't expect that because I've been a, a face-to-face teacher for many years, since the early 90s, uh, 20 years of teaching. But the online course outstripped everything. There was wow. there were really no comparison. And really, I think it's the sign of the times that we... we uh, we, we use the internet as a, as a social system. We connect uh, information. We connect socially. And I was able to give so much more information in a period of time. So I designed my own um, online course. It's the same course, but with more information, more movie, more more visuals, more facts, uh, just as much interaction. In fact, I can receive hundreds more questions online than I can face-to-face. I answer every question I can um, in Q&A videos, so extra videos I can over-provide. Um, all the course comes on DVD, but it's also live online with everybody being able to interact. And it's just been a, a, um, a phenomena. It's just literally been a phenomena. And um, no one is more surprised than I am at the result. So our next course releases this weekend. It runs for 12 weeks. Um, every week you get a new chapter, and each chapter is divided into 10-minute lectures. And you can receive those on your iPhone or your smartphone, on, on your iPad or on your computer. You can watch them at any time at your leisure um, and you go through the whole 12 weeks and in the last, uh, after the 12 lectures and bonus courses and bonus DVDs are sent to you so you can continuously review and replay the information. You're given a design exercise and you go through the design exercise and once that's, um, once you've shown some competency in design, you get the same certificate everybody else gets. You become a permaculture design certificate holder and then you can work as a as a designer and a consultant once you get a bit of practice you can even go on to teach permaculture and um, anybody can see the endorsements um, that we have there is just uh, an, an embarrassingly large amount of endorsements um, that people have, have gained so much from this online course um, so that's all on um, jefflawton.com. That's my name, spelt the English way with a Jeff, G-E-O-F-F-L-A-W-T-O-N, jefflawton.com. Um, you'll see, you put your email address in and you get to see the videos, but you also see the announcement of the course coming up at the end of this week. And one of the very interesting things I noticed about the course is that it has been taken from people from such a wide age span. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think I saw 13 to 90 or so, something like that um, in terms of the students that yeah. we've had in the past. So it, it's really for everybody. Yeah, we had, a, we had a, an 11-year-old take the course and pass the <laughs> design exercise. We had a 92-year-old take the course. Um, and we had a 94-year-old sign up but had a bit of a health challenge and wants to sign up on the next one. Fantastic. <laughs> I hope they're in this one. <laughs> I was like, well, you, you, know, you really want to get engaged at any time, and that's just wonderful. Um, a large amount of the audience is American, but then it's right across the English-speaking world and then across, right across the world in general. So you're interacting with people worldwide, and they're sharing their stories, they're sharing their advice, um, they set up um, 
groups within the forum inside the course as mm -hmm. people helping each other inside the course. Uh, we have uh, a support systems in the course itself that we uh, allow people to group in countries and regions in their forums. Uh, people set up uh, internet um, and uh, software advice systems so people teach each other during, during the course of how they can use different softwares uh, for design and um, and mapping and, and all different sharing of information. So you, you sort of quickly join a community of people, uh, a learning community, um, and they stay together. Um, and um, after one year, you still have access to the course. So we allow access to the course for one year after it finishes. So from, from when it starts to a year later, you've still got access. And uh, most of our alumni um, form into Facebook groups yeah. that interact together, sharing information, sharing um, new things that they discover and, 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 uh, and new design methods. It's been fantastic speaking to you on Alchemy Radio. Have you any kind of last thoughts or last recommendations for people who may or may not be interested at this point, but I think at some point everybody is going to be interested because we're in, we're in changing times and the world is, I think, going to become more and more challenging for those who are intent on continuing to exist in the paradigm that has been carefully crafted for us. But for those who will eventually want to break out, maybe they want to do it now, maybe they want to do it next year or in 10 years' time, but I think a lot of people will want to break out from that paradigm and I think permaculture is going to be key to it because it is such a viable alternative to the nonsense that's there at the moment and big business and that kind of thing. So have you any kind of last message or recommendation for all those people out there, which is pretty much everybody? Yeah, I think just... Look, just make an engagement, move towards the system, make some inquiry, um, kind of realize that, that we're a new nation. We're almost like a new indigenous nation that thinks in a sensitive and, and, and a sort of caring way, mm. a sensitive, caring way that we use our intellect with, in, 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 in the direction of good design. So sort of move towards what we're doing and see how it appeals to you. Because I think you'll realize it's a very, it's, it's a very good community of people of great diversity. So it's sort of the, the new era. You know, join in. Come, come with us and join in in this new era and we'll get this done. And that's what we have to do. So come on board. You're welcome. Everybody's welcome. I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Jeff Lawton, it's been great talking to you for the last hour. Thank you for joining me on Alchemy Radio, and I very much look forward to speaking again. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure to be here. Alchemy Radio.
I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy Radio. Remember, we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format and are extremely grateful for any help you can offer. We put no fixed costs on your donations and every little bit helps. So, for example, if you could spare even the price of a bag of carrots every month, it would go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated. That website being alchemyradio.net. Thank you to everybody for your recent help and support. We really couldn't do it without you. Our upcoming guests include Carl Johan Kalaman and Wolfgang Halbig. So until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Analyze. Alchemy Radio. Conceive. Alchemy Radio. Believe. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?